Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash. This is a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Mary Astafi. She is the executive director of Urban Harvest STL, which cross-pollinates urban agriculture and architecture. She founded this nonprofit in an effort to build the food roof, which is uh, St. Louis's first rooftop farm and also the topic of a TEDx talk that I love very much. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much, Mitch. It's good to, re- good to be here. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you here. And your TED, so so let's just start there. Okay. What was the experience like to do a TEDx talk? It was amazing. I was fortunate to get into the first group. Yes, <laughs> yes. TEDx when Gateway we were Arch. so young and immature. We were young and immature, <laughs> and I was just so lucky to be in that first group. And it was amazing. Um, there was a lot of pressure, but there was so much mentorship and coaching, and everyone behind the scenes was so organized and amazing like yourself that it just made it really a fantastic learning and um, growing experience for me. I, I really enjoyed it. It was an, I mean, I I just remember that, I mean, that first event is always going to have such special meaning to me. And it was, it it really was like, wow, we've got something here. I mean, people really do want to to be a part of this. And and I love that the people that show up for those types of events are the curious people, the forever learners. They, you know, they are the people that are never going to, stop learning. They just constantly want to move forward and know more. Yeah, I met so many great people, um, fellow speakers, but also people that just came out to listen and built some good relationships from that. And it was just great to be able to tell our story to St. Louisans and have some interest behind it. So talk about the food roof. So the food roof is a farm on top of a roof in downtown St. Louis. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we built it last year in 2015 um, during the spring and got our first crops in the ground last summer. So this is our first full growing season. Really? Yes. And what are you growing? We're growing everything. We have over 100 varieties of plants on the roof. Oh, my gosh. So mostly vegetables, all kinds of vegetables from, you know, tomatoes and squash and chard and all kinds of greens and Zucchini and peppers and cucumbers. Um, we also have some flowers up there to attract pollinators. Ah. Um, so that makes it really pretty as well. But uh, we're not just growing food. We also say that we're growing biodiversity in the city. Before we started, it was just this dead black roof. There was absolutely nothing up there. And within weeks of planting crops up there, we started to see all the insects and the bees and even some birds and butterflies and you name it. So it really did bring that little rooftop to life downtown. And how, I I can't even imagine, like, how'd you get the dirt up there? How did you get the water up there? I mean, how does this, how does this happen on a rooftop? Well, it's, it's a building project. I mean, we're basically building a farm on top of a roof. So it's, it's a building project. So we had to um, you know, work with architects and engineers and the city to sign off on it and get a building permit. But we had a crane on site and we craned everything up. Luckily, really? it's only two stories above ground. Um, it's not a very tall building. 
So we just craned everything up during construction, and that was wonderful. But now we have to walk everything up two flights of stairs. Oh, so my gosh. <laughs> it's not quite as convenient, but it's given us some very strong legs. So I we bet. don't complain. It's like workout, and you can eat Absolutely. yummy. It's very healthy, everything you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And then um, when it comes to... Like, do you have to protect it in any way? I mean, we can get some pretty fierce storms here in St. Louis. So how do you keep it from blowing away? Well, that's a great question. And it's not all that much more severe on a rooftop. Uh, Plants are extremely resilient. So when we had some pretty bad storms this past month, um, a storm actually took out our shade canopy, but the plants Ah. were fine. Oh, wow. The plants were totally fine. There were some injuries, but plants bounce back. Um, The most important part about being on a roof is you have to be structurally sound. So a lot of our built elements on top of the roof are tied back into the structure. So our greenhouse will not fly away in high winds and our shed will still be there after a tornado, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. Well, that makes sense though. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. So you don't just like set the greenhouse up there. It has to actually be like bolted down. Oh, it's tied down to the eight inch concrete slab below. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So so it's such an undertaking. I mean, Mm -hmm. the things that you had to, I mean, so what does your team look like? When I mean, when you were building this whole thing, you were like, I need an engineer. I need, I need, I need. What does that look like? Well, at the time I was working at HOK, I'm a recovering architect. So (laughs) fortunately, I had connections, you know, in the architecture realm to help get through the design and uh, construction documents and building permit and working with the city. What I didn't necessarily have experience with was the construction aspect itself. Okay. So we did hire a green roof manufacturer to um, help help bring that to life and help install the green roof. But the rest of the project was really managed by our team, which at the time was all volunteers, including myself, um, with a lot of volunteers. Yeah. So we had a lot of people up there building the greenhouse, building the shed, moving the soil around, planting the plants. And it took probably three months from wow. start to finish. Wow. Do we love volunteers. Absolutely. Love the volunteers. We, I mean, we same with TEDx Gateway them. Arch. We're like, oh, love the volunteers. Absolutely. You know? And they're amazing people, and they keep coming back, which is the best part of it. Uh, we have so many volunteers that come on a weekly basis or every other week, and they have just learned so much and contributed so much to the project that we really would not be where we are without the help of the community. And have you always been a gardener? No. Oh, really? No. So this was just really, really. <laughs> so you're just like, I, I not only gonna am I gonna garden, but I think I'm gonna do this on a rooftop. <laughs> I I've always been health conscious, mm-hmm. um, and I've always been um, aware of in, environmental things happening. And I've just, for some reason, at at this stage in my life, I just kind of wanted to bring together my desire to be as healthy as possible as a person and to help the environment be as healthy as possible and leverage my background in buildings and just kind of tie all of that together and connect it. So I, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, not growing food, but I listened to my mother talk about my grandfather who had this amazing garden outside of Chicago. And she would tell me these stories of how he would just pick a tomato right off the vine and eat it warm. And they basically just lived off of this huge garden that unfortunately I never got to see or experience, but 
I think that is what first planted the seed. Gotcha. Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and then I came to St. Louis six years ago and moved downtown. And there's not a whole lot of green space down there. And I felt like I just I needed some more green space. And it, it seemed like a great opportunity to also grow food. Oh, gosh. That's so cool. And And how did this building, I mean, how did that relationship happen that the building said, sure, yeah, you can put a garden up here? Well, it was really serendipity. Um, I founded Urban Harvest STL in 2011 as a way to just start growing food downtown at a grassroots level. Right. Um, so our first project was building a community garden. And uh, one of our community gardeners, her husband, happened to own that building. Oh. And when I saw that he owned, you know, a flat roof building with full access to sunlight and stairs that go up to the roof, I just, I knew that was it. And I asked him if I can go and look (laughs) at it and explained my crazy idea. And he was basically in from the start. So he was, you know, that was just a great, a great happening. Um, The hard part was developing a lease because this is unprecedented in St. Louis. We right. didn't really know how to go about lease negotiations, right. <laughs> how much the space was worth and all the details of putting a farm on top of a roof. That was the hard part. But finding the roof, luckily, it just kind of came to us when we needed it. It was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Mary. Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and I'm the owner of 100th Monkey Media. 100th Monkey Media specializes in affordable and very effective social media solutions for the small to medium-sized business. Our goal is to create a social media presence that shows off who you are, what you do, and delivers brand loyalty and raving fans. Contact us today to learn what 100th Monkey Media can do for you. 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or 100thmm.com. And we're back with Mary Astafi. So you have events around the food roof. You've got one coming up. We do. We we designed the rooftop with the community in mind. We didn't want to just build this farm and grow food and not let the community be a part of it. So we actually designed a pretty substantial community hub space is what we call it, where we have farm tables and benches and a shaded canopy. And it's a place where we can invite people to come and enjoy the farm in different ways. Oh, cool. So we host a ton of events throughout the year, um, educational workshops on different urban ag topics. Uh, We have a beekeeping workshop coming up. Pretty soon on August 20th on the roof. Really? Um, we host yoga up there with Southtown Yoga Instructors. I, Marissa, do you know Marissa Lather? She yes. Was, she was just she on came. and she was talking about the yoga. Excellent. Yeah, it's a really it's a really great way to practice yoga in, a, in, un, in an unpredictable setting. Right. <laughs> in the oh, middle of the fun. city. Uh, we also host pop-up dinners with local chefs. Really? Yeah. They, you know, harvest food right out of our fields and create these beautiful four or five course meals and beverage pairings. And it's just a really nice way to spend an evening on the rooftop. So is there a list people can get on to learn about the pop-ups and all of Absolutely. that? Absolutely. If they go to our website, urbanharveststl.org slash events, there's a full list of them. Oh, um, fun. And there's one in particular I wanted to mention. We're, we're hosting our first annual fundraiser on September 22nd. 
And that's actually going to take place at Bissinger's Caramel Room and Rooftop Terrace. Oh, yum. That sounds good. Beautiful (laughs) place. And they're creating a special one-time-only food roof chocolates. (gasps) Really? Yes. The chief chocolatier is going to take some ingredients from our farm and create some special chocolates for the event. And there's going to be live music with Liquid Moon. And it's just going to be like a fun celebration, but also an opportunity to help support our project and grow more farms. So we're calling it Raise the Roof because we're hoping to raise the roof on more urban farms in St. Louis next year. I love it. Thanks. Well, so where are you look like, do you know, have you spotted some roofs that you want to, you know? Yeah. You already have some ideas. Yeah. Well, we've actually already started to expand. Um, We have a small installation on top of the Kerr Foundation downtown, which is on the North Riverfront. Um, He had a a sedum green roof, and he wanted to start transitioning it over to edibles. So we have a small installation there, which will probably grow next year. And next week, we're actually building a farm on the ground at Flant's Early Learning Center, which is a school about six blocks north of where we're located. And that farm is going to provide food not only for the school cafeteria, but it's also going to go to St. Louis Metro Market, which serves that neighborhood directly. And is it an opportunity for the kids to learn as well then? Absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's that's like the perfect project, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. So, and then the kids, so the kids get to learn. Here's what gardening is all about and get to actually taste, right. experience their work through yummy lunches. That's right. They'll get to see it harvested and go right into the kitchen and onto their plate and enjoy it. That's wonderful because I've seen some school lunches before and mm. some of them are pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, it's, it would be nice to get some really yummy food for these kids. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so, okay, we can't, we have to talk about kombucha. Okay, let's so do it. <laughs> I I will tell you, I mean, I love kombucha. I wanted to learn how to make it. And um, I had just come back from Oregon. And my husband's like, oh, guess what? I found out there's this kombucha class going on. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to sign up. And then you were the person. You were the teacher. Yes. I was so, I'm like, oh, Mary, guess what? I'm coming to your kombucha class. And and then I love to tell people, like, if they ever need a SCOBY, mine has a great heritage. It started oh, with Mary so Astafi. <laughs> so I have, like, good luck SCOBY for people. Good. So, I mean, I, and I, I mean, I am addicted. I absolutely adore kombucha. I make it all the time. You were my my master of kombucha that got me started. Oh, I like that title. And you're still making kombucha. <laughs> I still make kombucha. I still teach classes through Dabble. I love it. I love making it. I love drinking it. I like how it makes me feel. And I love teaching classes. So I love spreading this to other people and showing them how to get started. And that was the hardest part for me is I started drinking kombucha quite frequently. And I just... Couldn't afford it. It's yeah, pretty it's expensive. expensive. It's like four bucks a bottle. Right. Yeah. So I decided to be more self-sufficient and figure out how to do it myself. And that was not an easy process, not having a mentor. So that's why I started teaching classes. Wow. And yeah. I don't think I, I mean, I've read, like I would, I read how to make it, but I was like, I'm not getting this. I think there really yeah. is something you said about visually watching someone show you exactly what you're supposed to do. For sure. And then it just, be, it becomes a pro. I mean, now it's like, that's just a part of what I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's time to make kombucha. I'm going to go do kombucha today, exactly. you know? <laughs> um, and is blueberry ginger still your favorite? Blueberry ginger <laughs> is my absolute favorite. That seems to be what I 
make most often. <laughs> <laughs> Have you made any other flavors that you like? Yeah. Um, I like blackberry ginger, which Ooh. is very similar Yum. as well. Have you done strawberry? Strawberry is a little too sweet for me. Ah. Um, my so my daughter to. will actually drink the strawberry okay. kombucha. So okay. if, so for the parents out there, if your kids won't drink it, do the strawberry. They'll they'll go for that one. Yeah, I guess they would. It is it is a sweeter taste. And I did I I shared with you earlier. I did pear, and that's pretty. I'm yummy. gonna try that. Yeah, it was actually really yummy. I mean, I I I just like to you know mix it up a little bit every once. So I have to say though, blueberry ginger. There's something about that. Something about it. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it. It's just so right. I've tried you can't go some wrong. coconut. I've tried coconut before with like flaked coconut. Sure. And that seems to work pretty good, but it's not what I want it to be for whatever weird reason. I have not tried coconut. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, but and that's then, the beauty of making it is you can try whatever you want and get the taste exactly how you like it. See if it works for you. Okay. Now here's something I haven't tried. Okay. And I read an article recently about this woman. This woman's like, here's what happened when I put kombucha on my face. I thought, well, hmm. this is interesting. <laughs> so yeah. she used it as some kind of like a, a face splash. So I thought, next time I have a little leftover, like it's not enough to fill up an entire, you know, because you, you have sure. to get it pretty close to the top to get the to get the fizzy going, yeah. right? To get the carbonation. Yeah. Um, I thought, I will just have to make some. And I don't know, maybe my wrinkles will miraculously disappear or, you know, I, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> if it works, let me know. <laughs> I will let you know after I go splashing some on my yeah. face. But I thought, sometimes you just don't think about putting food on your face. But, you know, people make yogurt masks and right. things out of eggs and honey. And what right. the heck? Let's try kombucha. It could be a whole new thing. Why not? whole new beauty product adventure go for, for everyone. It. A new business for you. <laughs> can't hurt, right? Yeah. Have you ever figured out, um, I know we were talking one time, like to make it commercially, like do they have humongous scobies inside of those tanks? Is that what that looks like? Sure. Yeah. They'll ferment it like beer. I mean, there's, there are huge, huge kombucha brewers that do this around the country. It's um, amazing to me. It's yeah, it's just a completely different scale than yeah. what you witnessed in my kitchen and what you do in your kitchen. Right, right. <laughs> I just have great big humongous jars with the scoby inside, right. and there you go. But I can't imagine having some huge vat. I know of kombucha. I the thing I don't understand is how they well how they would rotate the scoby over to the next vat. Yeah, but maybe they don't. Maybe they just drain one out and refill, and the scoby stays. Or in how place. big the baby scoby gets when you make one batch? Like that's a big baby. It's probably bigger than us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see inside. I really yeah. just want somebody to let me just peek and take. I, I've got this curious thing about it that needs to be satisfied at some point. We're gonna have to do like Sounds a like kombucha a factory. Yeah. See yep. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Mary in just a moment. This is Mickey Hancock. Now's a good time to get a snack. My mom's going to do another commercial. If you're looking for an agency to help you with creating and publishing engaging content, launching campaigns, or reputation management, 100th Monkey Media is the social media agency for you. Make your business successful with its social media and get a real return from your investment. 100th Monkey Media is far more affordable than you may think, and we make it easy and impactful. 
Learn how 100th Monkey Media can help you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and more. Contact us at 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. And we're back. And Mary, this is where I get to ask you fun questions. I can't wait. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) So these are pretty... Okay, so in your talk, you talked about kale being the gateway vegetable. (laughs) Yes, I believe I did. (laughs) All right. Does kale still rule? Or is there there a, a new kale on the block? Well, I think kale has been a bit overused. <laughs> yeah, Since I mean, that, it's like it came out and it was like, dun, 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 again and again and again. Yeah. It's like kale everything. Even though I, I still love kale chips, I got to tell you. Oh, absolutely. I still love kale too, but there are so many other delicious vegetables. I think what rules is what you will eat. There you go. So everybody has their own king of kale. Gotcha. It's different for everyone. Gotcha. Cool. All right. And then, I mean, well, so along the line, because kale is kind of a superfood. Mm-hmm. So do you know, I mean... What is the next superfood? Do we know? Do you, wow. Have you been, like, is there a trend I don't know about? Well, it, I I mean, the superfoods, I think sometimes it's just about what the press and media are talking about at yeah. the moment. Or what they've discovered recently in some Brazilian rainforest yeah. that they're like, hey, look at what this does for you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a little bit under the impression of, you know, eat as much healthy natural real food as you possibly can and get a good variety of it and don't depend on just one or two superfoods to make you healthy i agree it it takes a balanced diet and yeah kale is one of them and so are a lot of other things so it's not like drinking a bunch of acai this or that is going to help you i mean it's uh, everything has its things right i mean every fruit vegetable out there has its properties right so you want to get a little bit of all of it that's right yeah cool all right. So I kind of asked you already one of the questions about where's the new food roof going to be. So you have to tell us. But here's my funny question. Okay. <laughs> if you were going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records, what would you, what would you be in there for? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. That's like the hardest question anyone's no, no, no. ever asked Think me. About it. Like the most food roofs on earth. Like you could, Potentially. Be, you could be the queen of all food roofs. Well, there's a lot of other rooftop farmers that would <laughs> probably they, they compete claim for that it. title. All right, I gotcha. <laughs> but that would definitely be a goal in the future to keep growing rooftop farms and maybe have that title. I think all the hotels should call you. I agree. Please call me if you're a hotel. That would be wonderful. I think that would be an awesome thing. If, if sure. all the hotels had their own food roof. Absolutely. And it's not just about putting food on top of a roof. I'm really about creating community spaces. And I think we can do that. Having a nice community amenity space for a hotel, maybe a restaurant and have the farm right next door so people can see exactly where their food is coming from, where it's growing. They can watch the chef cultivate it and it ends up on their plate. Exactly. And okay, so the bigger hotels always attract conferences and such, you know, and, you know, different types of sales meetings and what have you. What a cool thing that would be for a corporation. They come in, they're going to do some kind of a conference. And then part of it is learning about the food roof and cooking their own meal. And I mean that there's so many hotels. Listen up. 
give Mary a call. I think this, I mean, I'm telling you, I think it'd be an awesome, cool idea. I think you're right. We do a lot of tours and field trips on the food roof right now. And I think it's just such a great opportunity to get people up there and learn a little bit about urban agriculture, the opportunities, what it looks like, um, the possibilities and how it might apply to them and their lives and their home and their particular situations. So any rooftops that are available in St. Louis, we're open to yeah, <laughs> we're open to talking to you. a call because we could put up and and really you think about it, it's it's pretty much space that's wasted. Absolutely, there's. I mean, no it's. For I mean, it. it's good. You have to have a roof, right? You know, you have to have one. It's an one. important part of a building. Very good for safety protection, yada yada. But why not use that space, right, to do that? I mean, Especially in the urban center where there's not a lot of green space on the ground. So it just makes sense to leverage that underutilized space and turn it into a green space, a community space where people can use it. Right. And when, you're, when you were talking about your community space, mm-hmm. is that on the food roof? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I can't get over the chocolate thing. I keep thinking about it. Has the, chocolate. Has, <laughs> has the chocolate person told you? Like, they given um, you any indication of what they may be He's tossed creating? around a couple of ideas, but nothing is nothing is settled. And it's going to be a surprise. So you won't know until you come to the ah, event. I like that. <laughs> Tickets are in sale now. <laughs> Very cool. And then I've never heard of Liquid Moon. How did you come across this band? So Liquid Moon actually played on the food roof through a private event. We rent okay. the rooftop out for private events. Ah. And Garden Heights Nursery in town rented it out for their annual employee party and they brought this really amazing band. And it was just so wonderful that we decided to ask them to play for our event. Very cool. And how many people can be accommodated for a private event? We can have 50 people on the rooftop at once. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you have a small wedding... We do have somebody getting married there next year. Oh, cool. So we'll have our first wedding. We've had engagement parties up there. Um, you know, sometimes people just get a group of friends together and have a potluck up there. Like, there's oh, so many fun. ways to just leverage that space and just have a good time and see the city from a different perspective and, you know, have fun with your friends surrounded by a farm on a roof. Yum, <laughs> you can't yummy, do that anymore. Yummy, else. fresh food. So, what else do you want to share with us? What do you want to make sure that we know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I when I think of you and what you're doing, to me, it's amazing that you've taken all these different interests and you put them into this one place. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're like, okay, architecture plus food plus bringing that green space to a city. And it really is inspiring in many ways. Oh, thank you. And so, and, and to me, I think it's important that people understand that, you know, you can have a whole bunch of different interests, but you can actually figure out ways to make all those interests come together right? in this one amazing place and do amazing things with it. And what do you feel is, what like was your driving factor? Like, I mean, think about it. How many people are going to go, oh, I'm going to bring a whole bunch of dirt and water up on this roof and make an entire garden and build a community around it? And what was the thing that just kept you going? Oh, there are so many. There are so many things. I mean, one thing was we need to start growing food closer to where we live. Right. Um, There's a lot of environmental benefits and nutritional benefits to that. Um, Living in downtown St. Louis, there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for that. So I just wanted to create that. And the more people that I shared this idea with and talked to, they 
supported it and became involved. And it just became such a community effort. Right. Um, everything was collaborative from start to finish. And that's what kept me going. Just everybody else that was a part of it, everyone that was by my side throughout all of it, getting it done, who still today get it done. Um, we just had a little vision and it took a lot of people to bring it together. But that's... Well, That's there's sad. something to be said for growing your own food. And and I will tell you, I had this experience, and it was a scary experience. Um, I went to the grocery store, and the shipment for fruits and vegetables was three days late. Just It was three days late. And when you got to the grocery store, there was hardly anything left. Yeah, That's how quickly it can go. It really opened my eyes to Absolutely. how important it was to be self-sustaining in many ways. I had no idea... It was that quick. It's that quick. That, it's you that know. quick. And if you think about natural disasters that cut off transportation and supply chains, it's it can become a very big issue the more self-sufficient we can be. Or even if you just grow a tomato plant in your backyard and your neighbor has chickens and you can barter for right. tomatoes and eggs, it's... It's kind of building those relationships and just decentralizing our food system. And honeybees. I love that, that you're going to be doing a class on that. Yeah. We need the honeybees. It's been proven. (laughs) We don't want the honeybees to go away. Yeah. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being here. I'm always so honored that I get to see you again. I love watching what you're doing. Thank you for bringing it to St. Louis. I mean, it's an absolute jewel. Thank you. Well, thanks for everything you do, too. Aw. Everybody have a good day and go grow some vegetables and fruits. Talk to you next time.